All right, so now that we're recording, I think we, I don't really think we have much of an intro, but we're still working um, on the intro. It's still working. Okay. <laughs> Second episode, man. What are you going to do? <laughs> we need to introduce our guest, is one of our dear, dear friends from college named Hannah McCallum, who, is, yeah. <laughs> Hi, how you doing? I'm all right. It's been an early yeah. morning. I woke yeah. up, I cat. How like, long have you been a... I uh-huh. woke up at 5 a.m. California time so that I could oh, drive for two hours and babysit the rocket starting at 7 in the morning. It's been a great morning. Yes. <laughs> it's, that sounds nice. Just an average Sunday. So, wait, how's uh, how's you... your kitten? Oh, she's good. Hmm? She's, she's hilarious. She was like, wait. Yeah. This is when I'm awake. Why are you awake? And then I gave her food. And she was like, that was what I was thinking. Yep. And then she, this and then I left. Like, not fine. I don't want you to leave. What? No, I'm supposed to bother you starting at six in the morning to try to get you up to give me food. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We'll start with our guest, Hannah. What do, what do you like? Well, I really like baking. Something that I've been doing mm-hmm. for about as long as I can remember, probably longer. You know, you go into a store, you see all the delicious baked goods and I, growing up, my parents would make various different things. So my dad was super into the pizza um, and the bread machine. So like throw stuff in there and then got to the point where us kids figured out how to use it and we'd throw stuff in there. But before we started actually making like real food, there's of course the wonderful microwave experiments where we just mix together flour and sugar and oh. microwave and try to make like things. Things. And, yeah. Question. Yeah, I did that too. <laughs> yeah. I didn't do it quite so much. I basically I couldn't boil so I was little, I couldn't boil water. Yep. But much to my grandmother's chagrin, because <laughs> she was looking after me, I would fill a pot with water and put it on the stove and throw whatever I could find into oh, it. Yeah. And it was disgusting because I was like, salt, pepper, hot sauce. In yeah. water, Mayonnaise. milk, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and they're like, "You're wasting food," and I'm like, "I'm making a potion," because you know, that's what you do. Was inevitable. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think my brothers and I tried to make like Lambus bread one time, and we <laughs> literally just like got microwavable. Questionable if they were even microwave safe. We just like would mix stuff together in a bowl and then put it in the microwave. So it'd be like flour and sugar and water, and we'd be like this is bread. And then we'd make it and we'd try to eat it. And we'd be like, this is gross. Um, <laughs> and then at some point it kind of clicked that you have to follow a recipe. My biggest thing was I really liked waffles. So as like mm-hmm. a young elementary school student, I would wake up before my parents and instead of bothering them to help me make waffles, they started just buying waffle mix and they taught me how to use the waffle maker. And so that was something that I was allowed to do because I wasn't allowed to use the stove. And so I'd go wake up at like six in the morning on a school morning, go downstairs, make waffles my parents would wake up at like 6 30 or 7 come downstairs and be like what the fuck child <laughs> i was thinking that too well i like that they were just like look she's going to do it eventually might as well just give her the tools and make sure she doesn't hurt herself <laughs> how long have you been up <laughs> it doesn't matter what you're just like you give them waffle they're like you know what i don't care <laughs> like walk away <laughs> Yeah. Um, so it was definitely Belgian waffles, so the extra big thick ones. 
and uh-huh. a special Belgian waffle maker. So I use that quite a bit. Cleanup, very questionable if I ever did that regularly. But, you know, I'd make them. So yeah, and then it was just kind of slowly progressing over time to trying and experimenting with bigger and bigger and better things. So lots of box cakes back when I was a child. The Funfetti cake, always a, always oh, a yeah. good one. And then eventually, like, figuring out how to do things a lot more complicated. So for, I basically catered my own um, high school graduation, and I made a bunch of nice. different things, including cheesecake brownies. That was yeah. or anything, just like completely from scratch, cheesecake brownies. So that was pretty big win there. The only time yeah. when baking really bites you in the butt is when you commit to something, you say you can make it, and then it, you have a horrible, spectacular failure for one reason or another, and then it comes out not quite as good as you wanted. I don't know why. I wanted to make cookies for some reason, and I was reading through my dad's. My dad had like one of those thick old Italian recipe books. And, and I found cookie section and I found meringues and I didn't realize we didn't have an egg beater. Oh gosh. So (laughs) I didn't know what stiff peaks meant. I was, you know, I had no idea. What does it mean? It means, so you basically have to break up the egg, you know, the egg whites to the point where they will form like this foam and then you, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, like, and you beat them until you can hold the bowl upside down and nothing falls out. Yeah, yeah, I I knew of that like I don't know procedure, but I didn't know it had a name. Yeah, yep. stiff peaks. Stiff peaks. <laughs> when stiff peaks start to form, then start adding sugar. Yeah. Well, at least that's. And so I was beating it with a fork. <laughs> like take that well i was you know mixing it with the fork it doesn't you'd be there forever and i'm like that's good enough so i put everything back together and i'm like this looks like soup how is this supposed to work so i'm asking dad like what do i do he's like well it's just like any science experiment what like springs everything together flour so i added flour to my meringue mixture and i basically got hockey pucks rubbery hockey pucks and uh yeah i think my my most recent baking failure apart from jumping on the sourdough train i tried to get start making sourdough um last winter but it was too cold in my apartment to make a starter correctly and i wanted to start my own starter from scratch and so that led to a series of very very dense dry sad bread um that and really sean was like oh boy another loaf of bread <laughs> yeah, he, he was nice to me and he ate it most of the time one time i forgot salt he didn't eat it at that point in time yeah. threw out about <laughs> half of it each time and then my sourdough starter got moldy because i went up to mojave for what was planned to be like a day or two um, and ended up being like the week and I'd put the starter out to let it to start to grow before you're supposed to, so you take your starter out of the fridge you let it start to grow then you put it back in the fridge and it like just kind of sits and this is so that it gets a little bit of activation before you put it back in the fridge well I forgot to put it back in the fridge it got super hungry and then got moldy because it stopped being able to fight off the other like instead of just growing yeast it started to grow other things um, and so that was that was my first experience with experiment with sourdough 
I retried it again in like March, April of this year because pandemic started. And so I was at home a lot and it's like, all right, it's time to do this again and much better successes. Um, Mm -hmm. I finally got that down pretty good, but yeah, so that was a series of like fun failures. And then another one is whenever I run out of eggs, I'm convinced I've I've, like convinced myself somehow that you can always replace it with bananas. You can't always (laughs) replace it with bananas. (laughs) (laughs) You can do Um, it for pancakes. You can do it for pancakes. You can do it for muffins because then you just have banana muffins. Um, mm. You can't do it for brownies. I tried to do it for brownies. It, I ended up with like a fudgy, chocolatey substance. It like tasted mildly of banana and like it tasted good. It was just like very dense, um, mm. very weird texture. And like I committed to bring brownies to something and ended up having to go to the store and just like buy the pre-made ones because uh, I thought out. you brought would bring would have brought that you're like ta-da eat up <laughs> so I, I was ashamed of that bake and so it was like all right I didn't completely bin it I was like I'm gonna just wait see how these cool and if they cool okay will it like will it be fine and then as I said they were edible it tasted fine it just the the look of it was not brownie. The texture was not brownie. It was more like congealed fudgy stuff. <laughs> congealed fudgy stuff. And that's your next secret recipes. That's how innovation happens. These mistakes that are weird at the time. And then they catch on. Everyone's eating weird banana fudgy brownie. Maybe. It's not brownie. It's fudgy stuff. Whatever. <laughs> fudgy stuff. <laughs> not yeah, substance. Well, fudge. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I made pumpkin muffins last night and made a mix of cream cheese filled ones and then chocolate chip ones because I like the cream cheese filled ones and Sean likes the chocolate ones. Hannah, talking back to your like origin story of baking. Yeah, waffles. And it sounded, yeah, yeah, waffles, but it sounded <laughs> like you like started experimenting really early. Oh, yeah. Uh, and you're, Apparently we haven't not put the flour away in yeah. place it couldn't reach. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you gotta hide that. Um, lock yeah. it up. But we didn't mention that you are literally a rocket scientist and you are very deep into the science world. Um, oh, yeah. Do you attribute like your early fascination with science to, you know, maybe those early days of experimenting in your kitchen cabinet and somewhat? Yeah. Somewhat, yeah. I mean, I also made model rockets as a kid with my dad and my siblings. And instead of, you know, buying the kits, we'd buy the kit and throw out the rest of it and just keep the engine until we found out yes. that you could just buy the engines. Um, <laughs> throw model rockets with like wrapping paper tubes and toilet paper tubes and paper towel tubes. And it turns out that half of an Easter egg makes a really good nose cone and a car battery and a extension cord is a very good way to start it. You short the battery through the extension cord and hit the fuse on the um, engine. You can get it to light pretty, pretty consistently. Uh, that's, that brings back good times. <laughs> yeah, they didn't have parachutes. <laughs> yeah they just they just plummeted it and you're just like i just want the thing that goes boom <laughs> kind of yeah fireworks were also a big staple growing up we'd go out to basically the border of colorado and wyoming and my dad one year we went through nebraska and picked up 10 feet of cannon fuse and five pounds of gunpowder at cabela's in nebraska Oh and then um, we, we go out to this farm every year, again, like border of Nebraska, Wyoming, Colorado, so like super, super rural area. And our friends there had, uh, or my parents' friends had 
kids, of course, and they were our friends. And so it was 4th of July and the most of the adults went off to go check out the cows and make sure that the cows were still doing okay. And so that's when my dad pulls out these like five pound keg of gunpowder and like the cannon fuse. And he's like, hey guys, you want to have some fun? <laughs> yes. <laughs> It's like, uh, I don't know, strange elderly child. <laughs> elderly child. And so we made our own, sort of made our own fireworks that were really like mini bombs. We were lucky no one lost a finger. Yeah. But we had a lot of fun. We also had some real fireworks that we were able to shoot off. And a couple of them, we had so many fireworks that year because everyone, there's like eight groups who'd gone up to this ranch for 4th of July that year. And everyone had brought fireworks. So we had like an overabundance of fireworks. So we had this like gunpowder and cannon fuse. And so we started dissecting some of the fireworks and like mixing it with the gunpowder and <laughs> doing this without a fire truck on hand or without being in a place that is not oh normal, doesn't normally catch fire. So like Southern I'm California. Glad you didn't burn like a field to the ground. <laughs> Um, I mean, we did everything in the front yard. Like their guys, these guys' front yard was a mix of a gravel dirt road and okay. um, proper green grass. And I mean like a good amount of proper green grass. And so we just put on the sprinklers and the hoses, wet down the entire yard and then started playing with this stuff. However, we did decide to make um, a potato gun. Yes. Oh. oh my God, yes. Those are the days. <laughs> so you guys know what an auger is? It's like the you use it to drill fence posts. Yeah. It has an opening on one side that you connect to the machine, and it has what we found out, a tiny, itty-bitty little hole that happens to be the just the right size for the cannon piece to go through. Oh um, <laughs> so we took that... We started pouring gunpowder down that and stuffing it with a potato and launching it out over an open field, which we didn't realize that day, but we found out later on that the uh, volunteer firefighter for the area was his field. And we oh my god, and it's just it, raining potatoes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was a combination between baking and the like fun experiments, other experiments that I did that really brought me into doing rocket stuff. Yeah, I mean, I... I get that too. Like my dad had a big hand in having an interest in science for me. It was a little different because your dad was like, let's make some shit. Come on, guys. He, he basically, it sounds like he had kids because he knew someday they would just be his little minions that he could be like, come on, like extra hands for him to help make all of the things he wanted to make. And he just, why else would you have kids? I mean, obviously, <laughs> he's just like, I want to make stuff explode, and I've got three little extra sets of hands that can get into tiny spaces. At that yeah. point, there was eight of us, because it was all the kids from that area. <laughs> he's like the Pied Piper, but instead he just has gunpowder out of like a, out of like a barrel, and you're all just chasing him. <laughs> They're like, this is the guy that makes stuff explode, it's great! <laughs> We sat back, popped open a cold one, and made sure we didn't blow any of our fingers. Uh, yeah. And he's just like, this is why, this is sometimes the little things in life that <laughs> I enjoy. <laughs> yeah. What my dad did a little differently, though, was, I mean, he had, we had the model rockets, but my dad is, like, he's more, he was more lab-based, less engineering, like, 
he wanted to read everything by the book. Like we weren't like, I wasn't allowed to be like, Oh, what does this do? You know, we had to read the instructions. So that got boring for me. (laughs) But the thing that wasn't instruction based was microscopes. My grandparents had this basically wood area in their backyard, heavily wooded. You, If you it froze over, it was flooded. And if it froze over during the winter, you could walk across and get to the cemetery, which we did on occasion. But, you know, that's that's more that's other fun stuff <laughs> anyway. But I would like get cups of water from that flooded area and I'd make slides and put it under the microscope and figure out what was in there. And I'd draw what I'd see. So I used to have like little journal entries of like, what the hell is this thing? I don't know. It just kind of wiggles around and this is what it looks like. For my dad, that was that was something he could do without a step-by-step process to it. And so that's why that stuck more because we weren't reading the rule book before before like started to do the fun stuff because you know it's hard to teach a kid that the rule book has to come first (laughs) yeah kind of just reminds me of bigger version of what I did as a kid as well I don't know I would have loved just blowing shit up I do remember the model rockets though they didn't work (laughs) (laughs) my favorite model rocket story is actually from when I was in college when we went to Southern Thunder when I was at an internship and it's just a group of people trying to up the class of engine that they're allowed to use. So mm. rockets use different classes of engines. The ones that you get to use without like having to have a big permit for it are up to D-class solid motors. And then you can get bigger and bigger. So like D-class are the really big ones that you can launch stuff that's either rather heavy or pretty, pretty high. But the ones that were, we were going for, these people were getting huge motors. The kind of stuff that's going to go a mile up into the sky, you have to have airspace permit at that point. And so it's this big event in the South where a bunch of people get together in a, in a field and it's like a model launch model rocket launching i'm not sure if it's exactly a competition but my favorite two rockets were two that failed rather spectacularly there's one that was the america rocket that was painted red white and blue uh not the biggest engine but also not the smallest and it kind of kamikaze the spectators yes the wind direction changed right as right as they launched it so if the wind was blowing towards the spectators they didn't launch but this thing they'd push the button and they were having some like issues with the fuses that day and like with the connections to light them. And so it like didn't go, it didn't go. The wind direction changed and suddenly it got the signal and went. And everyone was like, oh, grad. And then we're like, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. It has a parachute. The parachute failed. Uh-huh. <laughs> of course. Because when really everything special. goes wrong, oh, everything yeah. must go. Down us. Um, <laughs> it like missed spectators by like probably 50 to 100 feet. But that was a little bit of a... Oh, that's that's the problem. That's a uh, oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> How big are they? Uh, this one was probably about the size of this cone. Okay, so that's a good size. <laughs> so, yeah, like, big size. Yeah. As I as I once heard, radio is a theater of the mind. So, <laughs> so it's like maybe about four feet. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like three four feet tall, and then the next one that was my favorite for that day also failed spectacularly. It had two J-class engines on it. So we're talking big. Like, it's going to reach probably 14,000 feet if it goes. And the engines were cantilevered out to the side in opposite directions. 
So the theory was that, yeah, they're blowing sort of sideways, but because they're both opposite directions of each other, the net force will be down. Mm -hmm. And so the sum of the forces would be down. Now, remember how I said they're having issues lighting these engines and there's two of them on this thing? Yeah, so they put a button and only one of them lit it. So it kind of goes up about 20 feet, starts the spiral, the parachute deploys. So now it's like in two pieces with a huge parachute, fires catches the parachute on fire because there's still um, energy left in that motor. And it just like spirals and flips and kind of lands, not a big explosion. And it's just like sitting on top of the poor farmer's sprinklers burning. Oh, it's just like and the farmers are like, just like, why do they come every year? <laughs> well, no, they burnt out their yard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so they know what is possible and what might happen. So they just kind of turned on the sprinklers and watched. Me. <laughs> but yeah, so I've honestly learned in my career, not only from that experience, but just like throughout the hosts of the careers that you learn more from the failures and you learn a lot about how your system works and how it really doesn't when you have a failure. And so you can always make things better. When I started off in the aerospace industry, I was a test engineer and one of my, one of the managers, he wasn't a manager of the test, but he was like one of the like subject matter expert types of people in this. And he told us, you guys should break the engine every time you test it, but you should break it in a different way. So that really was like, oh, okay. So it's okay if it explodes every now and then, which, you know, you hope it doesn't, but if it does, you'd better have done it in a way that hasn't happened before. <laughs> I've had some of those. I've had some of that happen. I had that happen last, uh, last uh, Thursday. Oh, nice. What happened? Yeah. Uh, so at work, we control our, I'm going to be kind of vague because my stuff's quality control and we you can control some of the uh, chromatography machines remotely and you so it's on, so it's a program on the computer and every once in a while the things that make the compute the remote and the machine talk to each other disconnect yeah. and i could still control some parts of the machine remotely but I couldn't see the controls. Right. And I talked to three people who had been there longer than me, and they're like, yeah, I've never seen that happen before. <laughs> I said, that's always fun. Yeah, it's always fun. It's, I, I ended up resetting. Basically, everything boils down to turning it off and on again yeah, with that. That's, that's the extent of what we can do to fix things usually, if yeah. it's electrical. Yeah, so for us, a lot of my stuff is mechanical. So we literally have a room in one of our production facilities that we call the boom room, where we do initial testing of pneumatic things. Because pneumatic, so basically filling something with a pressurized gas, if it lets go, it can be a little bit violent. And so we have a boom room that's composed of like thick steel walls with added reinforcements, um, like a four inch thick bulletproof glass window. So that if we do have a boo-boo and something lets go, you it's not going to hurt anybody and everything's going to be fine. And you learn a lot from it. And so we've definitely done the, the only rule for that room, um, apart from follow the procedure to open and close the doors, make sure everything's like strapped down as best as you can, is that if you put a dent in the wall, you have to sign and date it. Yes. Do you have your sign? Do you have a dent? I have a dent in the wall. <laughs> Good for you. Congratulations. <laughs> I think almost every engineer at the company might have one or two. That's Who's good. That room? 
Yeah, I mean, you learn a lot. And that's that's basically the point of why we do what we do for the majority of it. Oh, yeah, and back to the brownies analogy with the bananas. You can't always put bananas in everything. It can't always yeah. be an egg substitute. Yeah. I once, going back to that, I once, uh, I didn't get to try them, but I know someone tried to make brownies with avocado. Ooh. It didn't work. <laughs> I don't know why. Sounds weird. Sometimes with avocado. That's probably, you could probably make that, but brownies? <laughs> I, when I worked, uh, when I worked nights, we had one of one of our former, one of the people who was in QA by the time I got there, she worked nights as well, and they would have an own, their own little Thanksgiving feast, and she brought brown, she's like, I'll bring dessert, and she brought up brownies made with avocado, because she's like, they're vegetarian, and or something like that. And they were like, these are disgusting. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, I hate it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, they... I, so when I was there the next Thanksgiving, they were, you know, they're like, as long as there's none of that, we're good. Because you have to tell a bunch of like Wisconsin boys who are all sleep deprived that they have to, you know, that this is your dessert. And they weren't they weren't terribly amused by that. But yes. Yeah. <laughs> so I feel like that was very a nice, thorough, like transition from baking, moving into uh, how blowing shit up has made you the rocket scientist you are today. And it's a fascinating story. It truly is. I'm not being sarcastic. Yeah, coming full circle was seamless. <laughs> yes. This is what we call a full circle. Yeah. <laughs> Lovely no, seeing yeah, you. Yeah, to see you too. Having it. Yeah. Thanks for hopping it's, on. Yeah, yeah, thanks for hopping on and joining us. That was really great. We really enjoyed listening to your stories. We always do, to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> all right well have fun with your rocket have a good sunday thanks anna bye bye, bye guys bye bye